The Underwater Kaiju from Out of Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. The Underwater Kaiju from Out of Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in visions from Monsterland. Welcome to the Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space podcast. My name is Jerry, and joining me, as always, is my uh, panel of uh, politician and military men who are going to help me save the soul of this world, or soul of this country, one of the two. Uh, And that begins with, from the Horror Mafia, we have the Don. Screonk, everyone. And coming uh, fresh... Fresh off uh, some new age uh, slasher movies, we have Derek B. Ten out of ten, Derek from Cinema Attack. Hey yo, what's going on, man? And of course, we have Mr. Venom himself, Jerry Cortez, who uh, this week. You know what, Jerry? You've been killing it on uh, your uh, at the movies uh, with uh, Mike Merriman. I gotta say, thank you very much. Uh, we're having a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying that that very much and of course i'm jerry from kill the cast and today we are going to talk about the 1967 south korean kaiju flick yongri but before we do that the the kaiju fandom was rocked just rocked with news that that sent some people uh screaming foul and some people uh saying who gives a shit that's like four years away uh, so, just to cover it real quick, this past week, Japanese publication Nikki Style, Nikkei Style, I don't know how to pronounce that, released an interview with Kenji Oda, who's Toho's chief Godzilla officer, which, by the way, did y'all even, I, I didn't even know you could, uh, sign up for that job. I would, uh, love to be, uh, Toho's chief Godzilla officer. Yeah, that's, yeah. uh, sort of one of those, uh, jobs you really wish would have been available to you in job school. Yeah, uh, exactly. apparently yeah. in in 2014 when they launched the Godzilla Strategy Council, uh, it was during October, and I must have been drunk for my birthday or something because I didn't even know that the positions were opening. I would have been like, "Please put me on that cabinet." Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so the council was created to help decide whether where to take the future of the Godzilla franchise, and thanks to uh, Gor Gor, I fucking hate your name. Gormaru Islands translation. Gormaru. Thank Gomaru. you. There we go. I'm just going to have Don go, say Don. all my Japanese names from now on. <laughs> Anytime I have to do that, that's what's going to happen. Anyway, 
So this is what he said. Uh, after 2021, we're thinking of a potential strategy that releases Godzilla movies uninterrupted at a rate of every two years, although there is a preference for a yearly pace as well. Um, and he cites the Marvel Universe as a thing like that, which is weird because I would have been like, well, just cite the Showa fucking run. Just make it connect better. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing about that is it was said uh, that he said instead of thinking of doing the obvious idea of making Shin Godzilla 2, instead think of a world that can be used for a long time. I'd rather make a world of Godzilla. Now, we've got to break this down because people are running amok saying that Shin Godzilla 2 is canceled. Shin Godzilla 2 is dead in the water. And I just want to pump the brakes on that. One, the Toho president could still go, uh, no, uh, Shin Godzilla 2 could happen. It's, it, it made a lot of money. Shin Godzilla made a lot of fucking money. Yeah. But we also have to keep in mind that, uh, Hideki Anno, who directed it, has to go back and finish the Evangelion, uh, series, because I need my fourth rebuild of Evangelion movie, so, uh, <laughs> make that fucking happen. And they also, anytime you're dealing with someone, if you don't know anything about Anno, Anno is, is a fucking very complicated person and he might yeah. not want to do a Shin Godzilla too, but he right now, but he might want to do it later. So I don't feel like this is a Shin Godzilla two is dead. I feel like this is just saying, Hey, we're going to focus on a, a universe instead of directly going to Shin Godzilla two. And I'm all for that because that goes into the first part of a bigger shared universe where we could see solo movies for Ghidorah. We could see the Rebirth of Mothra series come back. I personally am trying to see a Baron movie. If we can make that happen, can we remake Baron, please? So with that, um, I'm going to throw it to you, Don. What was your reaction to this news? Well, my initial reaction was, yay, more monster movies to watch. Um, After getting a little bit more in-depth into the article, my initial feeling was... Okay, I can see where he's coming from. Shin Godzilla is not really a story that I can see really evolving much beyond it just turning into another retread of that movie where, you know, Godzilla just appears and we have to deal with him. I personally would rather the universe-style story because, like I said earlier, more monster movies to watch, and we all love that. Yeah, and to be honest, like, I don't think people are going to get what they expect out of Shin Godzilla 2. If it continues the story from what we saw uh, from his tail, we are going to get some really fucking weird Neon Genesis Evangelion shit. So it might not be what people <laughs> want it to be. Um, so, um, Derek, what was your feelings on this? Well, you know how I feel about Shin Godzilla. It was one of my favorite movies of the year it came out. And, uh, you know, like hearing about this, like, I can see why they would do this, but. Like you said, that they could always do a Shin Godzilla 2 in the future, but they're not going to do it right away. And, you know, this way with the new, like, shared universe, we get more monsters, and more monsters is always good also. And we also get Godzilla's 2 still, so it's all good in the hood that way, you know? Yeah, because none of this is going to actually take place until, like, 2021 after uh, there's some... Okay, but there's another part of the article where it talks about licensing and all that, and they said they're waiting for 2021 so that they can do uh, their licensing with Legendary will be over, and they can go and do some license of their own 
in America. And the big thing they said is they're going to be more open with the license. They're going to allow more people to get their hands in the cookie jar for Godzilla, which they've been very, very strict on. Uh, thank you, TriStar, for fucking that up. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Now, Mr. Venom, where, what are your thoughts on this? I'm I'm pretty much the same as Derek. I I absolutely love Shin Godzilla. I mean, as you guys know, I spent almost a hundred bucks to get the Japanese 4K Blu-ray because I just I wanted that movie in its absolute best version, and I don't regret that purchase remotely. So I was a little sad to hear that I wasn't going to get a Shin Godzilla two. Now I understand your point, Jerry, about where the story could go—that it could have just completely destroyed what was set up in the first film, and that could easily happen happen but i still was fairly excited to get a second uh movie there but then of course after reading the article um i kind of agree with don's point that yes it is going to be better to get more um more kaiju movies more monster movies coming out of japan but i, I really i still kind of want to see a shin godzilla too uh, on top of the fact that i just love that godzilla too like if they're going to start like a new universe are we get are we going to get yet another version of godzilla or are they still going to work with that version because that's what i'm most curious about i feel like they will definitely go back to the traditional godzilla i don't i i highly if they go this universe route shin godzilla may be in the universe down the road but i for sure think they will go back to a standard looking godzilla yeah, yeah, because that thing's not exactly battle friendly. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that thing's fucking OP as shit. I mean, you really can't. Who is really going to stand up to him? I don't give a fuck if you bring out the like hardcore fans that talk about Bagan being the greatest thing that never happened in the Godzilla universe. That he, I've heard people be like, "Oh, he could beat Shin Godzilla." I'm like, how? Shin Godzilla literally has purple laser beams that come out, out of every, every orifice. Yes, every fucking <laughs> orifice. He can fuck up everything. And I and I get it. I love Shin Godzilla. The design is awesome. I know Derek, you just got that uh Shin Godzilla uh Bandai figure. Yeah. Um I've I've got a Shin Godzilla figure myself. Beautiful looking thing, and I'm a huge Neon Genesis Evangelion fan. So if Shin Godzilla 2 wants to go crazy shit with Anno, I will go down that rabbit hole with no complaints. But I would like to go back and see some more actual Godzilla movies in the traditional Godzilla sense. So I'm a-okay with this, and I'm actually more excited for the possibility of them opening up licenses in America for us to get more Godzilla merchandise in America, because let's yeah. be honest, we get fucked. <laughs> like, Derek, I'm sure it was not easy for you to just go out and get that Shin Godzilla Bandai figure. I'm pretty sure you probably had to order them online. I did. Exactly. So, uh, all in all, uh, we're all super excited about this, and we can't wait to see what happens, but that's 2021, so for now, we will just have to wait for... Godzilla 2 King of the Monsters in 2019 and Godzilla vs. Kong in 2020 which I'm hoping both are fan fucking tastic but we can only hope <laughs> fingers crossed so yeah. with that being said it is time for us to get into our movie and that is Yangri Monster from the Deep it is a 1967 South Korean uh, Japanese science fiction kaiju film featuring Yonger directed by Kim Ki-duk with special effects by Kenichi 
Nakagawa. I did that perfect. Uh, the, <laughs> Nailed so, it. Yeah, I know. Uh, the film was a co-production between South Korea's Jesus, oh, uh, Kyungdong Entertainment Company and Japan's Toei Company. Now, I want to say this. Uh, the director of this movie uh, was known for doing a lot of political uh, movies. He's or not necessarily political, but kind of going against the grain. Um, and for this movie, even though he didn't do any big political things, it was still pretty uh, illegal what he did. Uh, because at the time, uh, the Korean government was pretty much military-ran, and they had decreed that there was basically a ban on anything Japanese. Anything that was inspired by Japan or from Japan was pretty much fucking banned because they were still pissed off about the occupation that they went through during the Korean War. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So um, he still like and this director still went and hired Japanese people to come into South Korea and help them make the movie. I mean, the people who made Gamera made this. Now, I saw two conflicting things. I wonder if you all saw this. I saw that not some people were saying the guy who made the Godzilla suit worked on this and some saying that the guy who made the Gamera suit worked on this. In my investigation, it's the guy who made the Gamera suit, not the Godzilla suit. Makes sense. Yeah, I've heard that story more often as well myself. Yeah, so I think yeah. it may have just been some slight confusion somewhere. Um, but yeah, so he brought in uh, people who worked on it, who worked on Gamera movies to come in and make this movie. And uh, this movie came out in 1967. Now, in 1967, we were, for Godzilla, we were looking at Son of Godzilla uh, by Jun Fukuru. Um, and for the Gamera series, we were looking at Gamera vs. Girion, which is by far the craziest Gamera movie there is. It is. And yes. the 67 best... was Gauss. Wasn't 67 Gauss? I thought 67 was Girion. Gauss. That's that's the third one. 65 the original, 66 Barugon, 67 Gauss. Ah, maybe it was Gauss then. Um because I I know I may I probably got a confused cuz when I looked in uh the US release for Yangri uh, for 1969. At that yeah. point, we had got Son of Godzilla in America, and we had got Gamera versus Gyrion in America as Attack of the Monsters. So I probably yeah. just switched. Yeah, those. that's why you're the... hired here, Don. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's if it's sixty-seven, that would have been Gauss. But to be fair, Gauss does make an appearance in Gyrion. <laughs> also true. true. <laughs> um, I'll give you that. So that that kind of helps us get an idea of where we are in the world of kaiju. For Yongri. So let's take a look at Yongri. Now, I know Derek and I watched the uh, Kino Blu-ray release. Um, I know you didn't, Don, but Venom, what did you watch? I have... Let's see. I have a DVD release from... I can't find... Oh, Alpha Video. Okay. Um, now, there aren't many differences uh, between the releases besides Derek and I just have a really cleaned up version. So I'm going to shoot this one at Derek. Uh, Derek, at the beginning of the movie when they're showing that space background, yes. that Blu-ray is so clear. You can literally see the lines in the paneling of the background. Yeah, actually, it's actually funny. I didn't notice it until 
Actually, because I did watch the commentary too. And, oh, so uh, did I. So and uh, Steve, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Uh, uh, I think it's Rifle. Rifle, yeah, okay. Uh, and then he pointed it out. I'm like, holy shit! Now I can see them. <laughs> yeah, the Blu-ray looks absolutely stunning, and the commentary is so worth it. Because one, I love Steve Rifle. He wrote Japan's favorite Monstar, which is one of my favorite books on Godzilla, and he's done a bunch of other commentaries. And they are fantastic. So if you if you haven't got the Blu-ray from Kino, highly recommend it. Um, the only real special feature on it is that commentary. There's two like trailers for other movies. Yeah. For some odd reason. But the Blu-ray, the picture quality is stunning. And it's, it's it, the best uh, the movie's ever looked. Oh my god, that movie looks so good. Like I don't know if like Venom for you, like when you were watching the movie, could you see the the lines and the paneling for that background? Not at all. This DVD has a terrible transfer. Like it's n- not good. When we were watching the Blu-ray, you can literally there's a part where Younger is blowing fire, and you can literally see clear as day the metal tube in his mouth. I can yeah, see that, that on you the- can see. You can see that on the other print too, because that's the one yes. I have. Okay, so okay, so that one's apparent to everyone. Uh, but yeah, uh, so this movie we start off with. Uh, luckily, we get to skip the wedding and just get to see them leaving on their honeymoon as their kid little brother decides to uh, prank them, much like a 2017 YouTuber, and almost murder them. <laughs> yeah, why the driving of all things, you know? Yeah, which is great. Um, he uses this light ray that ends up making them itch. And uh, his other sister, who did not get married, uh, her boyfriend is this scientist guy who ends up picking him up and scolds him, and then they go off. And then we go back to the couple that are in the honeymoon as the wifey is trying to get laid. And the <laughs> husband is just acting like he doesn't care. But the fun thing about this scene is we get to go into, at the time in Korea, there was a lot of government censorship and there was a lot of force what you could do. That's why he doesn't kiss her on the lips. He basically makes out with her cheek. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he gets a call that they've got to, that he's got to come back to work because someone's testing nuclear weapons in the Middle East and Damn it, he's got to jump into a rocket and go to outer space to look at it. This makes no goddamn sense. I, um, I didn't get it either. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like uh, well, I'll get, we'll get into that in a little bit. Like, uh, yeah. Um, and so from this, we actually now find that there's an earthquake moving towards Korea. And with that, we actually get Yongri. That is the setup for this movie. With that being said, it is time to get into what we loved about this movie. And Derek, I'm going to start with you. What did you love about Yonkery? Well, I like the, like the whole destruction scenes. Like there's some very good model work in this movie. Like uh, there's one scene in particular that actually kind of pays homage to the original Godzilla where like you see like this uh, Japanese style, like a uh, government building. It's very Japanese influence. It's supposed to, it kind of looks like uh, the Japanese diet building in a way. That scene's amazing, like the way that the destruction happens, and I uh, just like like all the like the uh, human stuff that happens within it. Also, like you see like these rubber foam rocks hitting people, and they're like, "Oh my god!" 
fucking cracks me up every time. I love that because I feel like that's one thing that is always missing from a Godzilla movie is their evacuation scenes. Just yeah. never seem to really feel good or look good. They never really do justice. And this movie, nailed it. Exactly, I'm like hiccuping man. now. Nailed it. Um, Don, what is something you love about Yongri? I'm going to jump on board with uh, the destruction stuff, but also just the overall cheesy factor of the movie. It's just, you know, so inherently silly that you know, it kind of just warms you over by the time you're done with it. Just watching, you know, this little cre- this creature go on its rampage and just like the general silliness of it all. Fair yeah, this enough. Is... Yeah, <laughs> this is... Uh, Mr. Venom, what is something you love about Yongari? Okay, well, this is the point in the podcast where I think I start to make enemies because I love nothing about this movie. I'm sorry, I wanted to so desperately. Um, I will I will agree with Derek that the destruction scenes were pretty cool. I have to, but but saying having said that, I have to disagree with the models looking good. There was one particular shot where Yangari kind of knocked over the side of a building and you can see inside the building it's completely empty no furniture no nothing it looks like a dollhouse which kind of threw me out of it a little bit i let out a little bit of a chuckle right there now i understand that the city could have been evacuated by now but this is a building that didn't have scaffolding on it so it was a completed structure yet there is no furniture inside it's just empty it's just layer upon layer of empty hallways so that kind of took me out of it. But as far as what I enjoyed, yeah, about the only thing that I can really pull out of this film that I genuinely enjoyed was just the sheer destruction. The shots of Yangari, uh, you know, just marauding through the city. But honestly, I, I uh, unfortunately, I have a lot more hate for this film than love. We'll get I into that in a little bit. <laughs> can't wait to get into what you don't like about this movie. Uh, <laughs> as for me... Uh, the things I, I do like is, you know what? Um, I like the human story in this, mostly because it's kind of ridiculous how some of the people act randomly. And it just, it cracks. It's a che- cheesiness factor that just, it, I enjoy. It doesn't yeah. spend too much time, like, getting into, like, long diatribes with these characters. It's, oh, bam, quick fix, we'll do this, and uh, f- let me just... Guys, I figured it out. The monster has a shakes because he has a fucking cocaine problem. And he just fucking, <laughs> like, that's all I could think about this entire movie was just sitting there going, this monster's got a fucking cocaine problem. Look at him. He's just shaking. He's just fucking scratching himself. Like, the fuck is he doing? Um, He's rubbing his nose and shit. Like, so I, I really do think that Don and Derek covered it. There are two things good about this movie. Enjoying a monster destroying shit. And the overall cheesiness of it. The cheesiness of this is very lighthearted and it moves fast, which is why I think I could enjoy it. It's not bogged down. It's not um, It's not like watching a lot of uh, shitty movies where uh, you're bogged down with just dialogue, that dialogue and dialogue. No, everything moves quickly. Everything moves fast. And you can just kind of enjoy it. With that said... There is tons to pick apart in this movie. So let's just go ahead and and hand it over to Mr. Venom and let him show us what the inner symbiote inside of him (laughs) thinks 
of Yongari, what did you not like? All right. First and foremost, the movie. <laughs> well, I'm going to say the first act. All, the entire first act to me, which is all, you know, just the human character development and human drama did nothing for me. I mean, I, I literally found myself almost nodding off um, the, the last time I was I watched this. Yangari doesn't show up in the movie until the 24-minute mark in a movie that's only an hour and 18 minutes. So literally the entire first act is just... It felt like a soap opera to me. It's like we, we get a couple getting married. We get a little Hitler kid pulling a prank <laughs> on, a, on, a, um, on a newlywed couple. And then we get... You know, we get the older scientists. And then that's a question I also have. Why do older Asian men always wear sunglasses? It seems like I see that a lot in kaiju films where older gentlemen, usually um, men of esteem, um, either military or political, uh, will wear sunglasses, even though it's completely not warranted at all. I just found that to be a weird theme. I don't know if you guys have any insight on that or if it's just me nitpicking for no reason but yeah i just I, i've literally never thought of that and now i'm going to have to like go and look and see if this is True. a common thing that i've just never noticed not so much in the 50s but once they started going to color in the 60s and 70s you almost always see at least one older it's usually japanese obviously today it's korean but uh same thing in today's film there was one older gentleman who wore sunglasses pretty much the entire film and i just wondered what the hell was the point? Is he trying to hide his age? Is he just trying to look cool? Whatever the case may be. Anyway, so like I said, the entire first act to me, I know, Jerry, you said you actually liked the human story in this one. Uh, it did nothing for me. Like very few characters in this movie were endearing to me. I wanted to be behind them. And, you know, they always interject the little kid, the comic relief in these films. And I, in this one in particular, I just rolled my eyes every single time I saw that little kid on the screen. I, I hated him so much. I didn't even bother learning his name. He will, he is now and will forever be little Hitler for me. Well, if it makes you feel better, uh, the English dub didn't really give a fuck what his name was either as they gave him and the young scientist guy completely new names. Ah, uh, so it was like Cho or something or Ichido or something. I, 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 I I Sounds vaguely familiar. In the original Korean like version that we'll unfortunately never see, his name is Jung. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> eh. That so, makes more sense. I I'm sure you have a bunch more to say, but before we let you say that, let's go <laughs> see what some of the other guys uh, dislike about this movie. So, Derek, what did you dislike? You know, like, that whole concept of the guy, like, on the fucking uh, spaceship, it made no sense to me. Like, in the... Like, you have to go into a spaceship to go see, like, a fucking drone throw a bomb? Yeah, what's funny is, like, I know you probably, you noticed this from listening to the commentary also, but it come to find out, South Korea didn't even have a space program. Yeah, that, yeah, that too. I'm like, what the fuck? And another thing that really bothered me was the soundtrack. It's very, like, fucking hippie-ish. This would be a good one to double feature at Hedora, Godzilla vs. Hedora. It has That's a very true. like it has a very like hippie like sounding like space like mind boggling soundtrack to me and it, it kind of took me out of it because I was expecting something for different because it didn't kind of fit some of the tones of what the movie was showing us either yeah. besides that fucking retarded dance sequence which I think but, it's a, 
And the dancing young adult scene, like where all the kids dancing, was kind yeah. of like the Hedor- the scene in Godzilla versus Hedora. Without any hallucinogens, though. Yeah, no <laughs> fish, no fish people, but still. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. D- Don, what did you not like? That fucking little cocksucker of a kid. <laughs> Whoa! That kid never sucked a dick in his life. I saw it. Yeah, he's not going to anyway because I wanted to fucking kill him. Just one of the most aggravating, irritatingly smug little cunts I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, you realize what he did at the very beginning. He nearly killed people. He's sitting on the edge of the street, shining a flashlight that is going to impair their motor skills. While people are driving on a curvy mountain road. That is one of the most illegal things you can do. And all they do is they just slap him on the wrist and say, ha, 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 you had your fun. Now put that thing away. Yeah, then he also uses that light gun later on to wake Yongri back the fuck up. And here's the thing, too. This is is something that I caught because I was channeling my inner Jerry on this. (laughs) The flashlight is strong enough to barely register on them to where they can't see it, but they can feel it. And yet it's strong enough to appear as a light on Yongari himself. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume there's a dial on it to make it increase or decrease. <laughs> You're way too forgiving. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to assume that because I don't know. Um, I thought it was really because of the cokehead theory, though. <laughs> I believe that they killed him using cocaine chemtrails uh, that the government does not want you to know about. Because it's the same thing that killed Rick James and the American Dream. And it started in South Korea as they experimented on the South Korean people. And they killed this monster who literally was cool with sleeping. But no, let's fucking shoot him up with fucking itchy lights and cocaine chemtrails. Get him all hyped up and then fucking kill him in a puddle of his own fucking brown water and blood. Quick question. <laughs> okay. Did it, did it look like he was menstruating when that scene it, happens? It did. I thought he shit himself. <laughs> he just he just shit blood everywhere. Well, you know, when 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 a person, well, when an animal dies, they usually expel everything. That's what that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, but the way it looked like because it was at like his crotch area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I I have a problem with any scene in this movie where. there's a part where it shows younger in the background and it shows people in the foreground running away and they look as tall as the fucking buildings. Mm. (laughs) Or there's like a scene later on where like younger is walking by a Jeep and it looks just so fucking terrible. Like there are just certain parts where I'm like, you could have tried a little bit. You could have tried a little bit more. You, you yeah, you could have tried. You could have, <laughs> if Gamera can hide where the fire's coming out of his mouth, you can hide it here. Don't give me that bullshit. Um, but the, I want to say the biggest thing I don't like about this movie is that they killed him with fucking itching powder. Basically, they <laughs> like I know I joke around that it's cocaine chemtrails, but literally that's how they killed him he has a fucking allergic reaction to fucking white powder on him that makes him uh dance and shake and and scratch himself like a fucking crackhead 
That's what you do. You even have a drug problem to try to make a fucking drug saying here? Like, I don't understand. Like, fucking, do we need to like recut this and show it to kids? Don't eat Thai pods. Fucking, it killed you hungry. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, that was just a really lame well, attempt. Well, all you see is fucking Shaquille O'Neal gold bond. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, you like you know how they did Dark Horse did that uh, Godzilla versus Barkley comic. Can we do yeah. a Youngery versus Shaquille O'Neal comic? That would be amazing. <laughs> like that's fucking great. Let's do that. Um, did you oh guys think that the death was a little mean spirited? Yeah, yeah. I mean. He's just a nice, fun-loving creature that likes surf rock, and you're going to make him basically, you know, scratch himself to death? And then to show him twitching there on the ground? Yeah. That's unnecessary. Even the shitty kid that we fucking hate was like, please stop. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, man, uh, let's talk about the Yongari suit. Um, Besides (laughs) the big uh, glowing horn and the glowing eyes, this suit is boring as fuck. Yep. Like when he he first shows up, I actually thought when he first lets out that first roar, it felt to me like he was proclaiming to the world. Look at me. I'm not Godzilla. I swear I have a horn. Yeah. He looks like he looks like Baragon. Yeah. Yeah. That was who I was going for. Baragon. Yeah. Like they cut off Baragon's ears and then and was like, it's Yongri. I just don't fucking. I, I don't think there's anything to say about this suit. It is mediocre. Now, to be fair, the director of this movie was also disappointed in the suit, but it already cost a lot of money, so there was nothing else he could really do. It, it's serviceable enough. I mean, it's certainly comparable to, I think, the Ultraman stuff that was being pumped out. Yeah. yeah. It's, certainly no, it's certainly no worse than the stuff that's on there. Yeah, the effects in the, the special effects in this movie are pretty much on par with an Ultraman episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found it odd that they continuously showed long shots of Yongri. Even, even, and now with you telling me that the director wasn't happy with the suit, it's like, why do you keep these long static shots on them then? It's just making the suit look worse and worse. I mean, he could have done a little bit better with some quicker editing to kind of hide the weaknesses of the suit, but it's like he put no effort into it. Just here. Here's one long two-minute shot of young Gary just walking down the street. To be fair, he had never done a movie like that. No Korean had done a movie uh, like this. Yeah, so, it's like I mean, one of the first like, kaiju films that Korea did. Yeah, mm. so, I mean, because of that, I can kind of give him a, a little pass. But you would think that he would be like, you know what? Cut this a little bit shorter. I don't want to fucking, I don't want to see him this much. But maybe he felt like, hey, people want to see a monster movie. You're going to give him a fucking monster. Because once Yongri shows up, you get Yongri a lot. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is something that I don't know if any of us are ever going to be able to ask. Is how much of this would is altered for from the original version? Because there could have been stuff that was cut out of the original version Um, that made him look better. So, actually, uh, and Derek can back me up on this. uh, There does not seem to be that much difference in like shots oh, and nice. editing for all that from the original movie it's more just like very tiny changes in dialogue oh there is mm-hmm. yeah as what's covered yeah. in, the, in the commentary there's not a lot of difference oh okay yeah there's only like a two minute uh duration difference between the original and the the oh, us okay. version supposedly 
Uh, yeah. Because let's get in there. So uh, when this film was being sold overseas, uh, the producers, due to lack of experience, shipped all of the original materials, including the negatives, so that we don't know what the fuck happened to them. There is literally the only original Korean version of this movie is 48 minutes long Oof. because that's all they could find enough materials for. There yeah. is no original Korean version of this movie at all. It is a lost film. Um, so the American version is pretty much all you have besides looking at the original script. Yeah, even like uh, the the historian that they had on with the commentary with Steve Rifle, like he said, he like he first seen Youngery like so and so years later, and it was the U.S. cut of the movie because that's the only version that they could watch. You know. Yeah. So there is no original Korean version of this movie. It's lost. Maybe one day it could show up, um, but I, picture, I highly doubt it. I picture it Charlie point. Band from Full Moon has it somehow. <laughs> yeah, he's going to – the only way you can get it, though, is if you buy this wizard uh, VHS box. <laughs> it's the only way you're getting that. Um, exactly. Yeah, so the movie in all is not a, um, a high note in the kaiju world, but for first effort – from a very poor uh, Korean cinema. I don't think it's that bad. Obviously, uh, Mr. Venom does. I think <laughs> it, the cheesiness and campiness of it makes it a fun watch. But I can definitely see where, like, if you're if you're not going to get behind that campiness or cheesiness of it, you're going to fucking hate this movie because you're going to sit there the entire time and just plot ways to kill this little kid. <laughs> what is yeah, with his Asian Hitler like aspect, but he has also kind of look kind of like Mo, a young Mo Howard in a way with the bowl cut. <laughs> yeah, I will say this kid does do more in this movie uh, to actually move the plot along. Like he turns off the oil. He's the one that kind of uh, like every time he does something good, he does something bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like I almost killed my brother and sister. But I also found out this information about Yongari. He's allergic to something. I also turned off the oil. But I also woke him up because I wanted to dance with him because he promised me fucking free Wi-Fi and candy. He also knows how to travel through the sewer system very well. Very fucking well. Like, Jesus. Um, So, like, and at the end of the movie, they even give him, like, credit. They're like, oh, no, it was him. He's the one that helped us do this. And he's like... then they're like to make the movie feel good at the end. They're like, well, what do you want? Oh, I want my sister to marry the smart scientist guy. Mm. And it's just like, and so they do. And it's just like, then he's like, I wish Yongari was here too. <laughs> yeah. They have this whole thing at the end about Yongari. Like Yongari, like you see it in a lot of uh, these monster movies. The monster didn't mean to. And I guess at that point it probably wasn't like beat into our heads as much when this movie was made. But now, looking back at it, you're just like, oh my god, not this again. We get it. The monster's not bad. We're the assholes. I understand Nightbreed. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. We get it. Humans are the real monsters. A-okay. Um, so, okay. This movie got a remake. Now, Don... I would like for you to inform the people about this remake. Yeah, it is a uh, film called Reptilian. It was originally made in 1999, 
Although a lot of people would have seen it in 2001 because what happened was the original production team was so thoroughly unsatisfied by the reaction to the original film that they scrapped the man in suits shots that were in the original version and reshot CGI over every single frame of that footage. It looks so much better. Which <laughs> I use the term CGI loosely, and coming mm. from a fan of Sharknado movies, let that tell you how atrocious this all, this is. <laughs> yeah, and I want to point out that once again, the original footage is fucking lost. We don't have the original footage of the monster suit, though we do have a picture of the monster suit, and it looks good. But somehow, no, that shitty CGI is going to be what we fucking use. And I just want to say, Korea, um, if I find out that there's a version of the host that uses practical effects and you lost that version too, I might just start agreeing with North Korea, okay? I'm fucking (laughs) over you and you're losing of films. Stop this shit. Someone find the original fucking suit version of reptilian so i can watch it damn it so stick to your even, korean horror movies korea yeah even if you just give it to us even if you just mm. give it to us we're fine with that you know just so that, just so that when we know that it's out there and yeah just picturing it now like kim jalil made the fucking greatest ka- korean kaiju movie <laughs> Yeah, like, how are you going to get beaten by someone who had to literally kidnap people to make a fucking movie? Damn it. Oh, my God. One day... We'll save, we'll save that is, for discussion someday. Is there a release of Paul Garcia? What, how do you say that there's fucking a lot movie? Of, there's a lot yeah, of, like, great market. You can find great. it on YouTube. Yeah, there's a lot it of... Yeah, it's on YouTube, and I think it's public domain. There's a lot of, like, gray market releases, so yeah. they probably all look probably the same anyways. The YouTube version looks amazing, though, because I used that one when I did uh, my version for Attack of the Killer podcast, because we covered it on there, and the version looks really good on YouTube. Huh. I might have to say, I've never watched it. Um, yeah. It, I'm going to have really, to watch it. Yeah, the version on YouTube looks really good. I'll have to dig it out of my... Um, archives. Well, not archives, but my uh, history. I'll have to dig it out of my watch history. Is it history and archives the same thing, though? Oh, I'm just going by what the YouTube thing calls it. Yeah, they call it watch history, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm saying. I have to pull it out of there, but yeah, I can link you to it. We only have one awesome uh, retitle of of Yongri, so y'all are going to have to guess what country that's from, unless you already know it. What country renamed it Godzilla's Hand of Death? (laughs) Ha! What? I am not joking. Uh, a certain country decided to call this movie Godzilla's Hand of Death. Fuck it, I'm going Germany. <laughs> you would be correct. It is Germany. How they didn't... Now, here's the thing. Normally, they're always trying to put fucking Frankenstein somewhere yeah, in their the- Godzilla movies. But this one, they were just like, nope, fuck it. Since Godzilla's not actually in this movie for us to call him Frankenstein... We're just going to fucking call it Godzilla's Hand of Death. Yeah, that's what threw me. There's no Frankenstein. <laughs> exactly. Like I, like, I was just sitting here like, oh, how? Why? I don't Germany understand. Germany hates Godzilla, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Germany does some weird... Fu- if you ever want to, like, look at some funny shit, 
look up how Germany has treated and named the Godzilla movies. Because they constantly are saying Frankenstein's monster is in there somewhere. They don't know how, <laughs> but they're going to cram him in there. Yeah. Holy shit. All right. So, Yongri, let's get into just some final thoughts. Because this movie, uh, th- th- there's not a lot that happens in it. It's just a lot of goofy shit um, and people saying goofy dumb shit and uh, goofy dumb shit. There, there's some things you can get into if you want to get into what people think may have been political in it. I just don't really give a shit. Yeah. Um, this, this, the commentary does give like a few aspects of like shit that the director was doing with like, like the whole thing about like that Japanese uh, uh, style uh, government building. They get into detail about that about like the Japanese hold and the control of Korea at the time. Yeah, so, like, I do have some scenes I want to go over real quick. Um, there's a car crash early in this movie where this <laughs> photographer just oh, survives yeah. it. How? I'm not fucking sure. Does anyone know how he survived this? I, I don't know, unless he fucking jumped out and that's one of the fucking lost scenes from the movie. Yeah, he jumped no. out of it, did not damage that camera at all. I uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> How the fuck did he get there? He's, he walked like that. <laughs> all I can see is, all I can see is that thing of the Simpsons where Homer's rolling down the hill trying to get out of the car and he rolls back into it. <laughs> all I can see is him doing that, rolling down the hill, holding the camera over his head, and then he winds up back in the crash at the end of the bottom of the hill. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the second funniest car explosion scene I've seen in two weeks. Uh, what was the oh. other one? The one from Sleepover Nightmare that I just reviewed on my uh, other show. Oh, shit. Um, also, uh, Elo, who's our scientist dude, uh, at one point he's like, I'm about to get all up in this monster shit because I got to figure out what the fuck's going on. And the, his girlfriend and then I guess her mom just literally start talking shit to him. They are literally like, uh, you're no hero. Sit the fuck down. This is suicide. And I'm just like, damn, hold up. Damn, it's like a reverse, like a... Uh... <laughs> you know verbal like, bitch slap yeah <laughs> like i like, was taken aback yeah absolutely um, you weren't a hero before why do you think you're a hero now oh like, his girl's like you gotta cook me dinner <laughs> yeah <down."> <laughs> for real i'm waiting for her to slap him <laughs> bitch go make me a steak <laughs> uh <laughs> businessmen in south korea are dicks um there is a scene where businessmen are just eating and drinking and the server's like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And they're like, nah, fuck you. And then they they get mad because he leaves because he doesn't want to die. And they're just like, no, fill my beer. <laughs> like, like, fuck you, motherfucker. Uh, I actually found those guys kind of funny. It's like, yeah, we're going to die. Let's finish our meal. Screw it. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just like, what the fuck? Um, so that one always kind of... Uh, that one always made me laugh. Uh, there was one more scene. Uh, it wasn't the pipe in his throat. We already covered that. Uh, yeah. Oh, there. The kid is like ducking behind when he first comes up and he's from the sewers that he was hiding in. Yeah. He's at the oil refinery, whatever, and he's like ducking, trying to hide. Like that monster could see him from that far away. His tiny ass. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) 
Like, it just made no fucking sense to me. And then after that, it's literally just fucking... This monster does not use his arms until he has to start scratching himself. All the way up until he has this allergic reaction, his arms just sit dead weight on his fucking side. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. he uses them a lot more in the end, like, during, like, that whole bridge sequence. Yeah, once he starts having withdrawals and has to start fucking scratching himself fucking walking around you got any oil man Yo, I, need I, got any fucking oil. I need some fucking oil what's he making crystal maybe he's a method he <laughs> I, I he needs to get his shit together gamer doesn't have this problem and he's ripping off gamer because uh, a nuclear a foreign nuclear weapon uh, um, creates an earthquake that awakens a monster who then goes and uh looks for fucking oil to intake uh, breathes fire. Oh, though younger, he does have the ability to shoot a laser from his horn that he does once, <laughs> literally once. There are so many times he could have destroyed more fucking helicopters, including the fucking cocaine chemtrail helicopter that he just doesn't do it at all. Anyway, uh, and not only does, uh, he spit fire, but he's, uh, linked to a child that they dance together because, it's a Gamera movie. This is basically a fucking Gamera movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just without the charm and quality. Pretty much. Or the absurdness. Because with Gamera movies, they're like, just make this as visually absurd as you can, and we're good. Uh, also, apparently, uh, it rains in South Korea for five minutes at a time and then has to stop. Which was kind of disappointing I... because I thought the rain looked really good. I noticed that too. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like, we just needed to rain for five minutes to clear the ammonia powder off of Yonguri so that he can get back up and dance with a kid or something. It, it, they pull, <laughs> it, it pulls a fucking hatchet and they light him on fire and it starts raining. Like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty fucking much. That's where Adam Green must have watched this and he was like, I'm going to use this. And no one will know because no one gives a fuck about this movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Uh, also, like, uh, I want to talk about this, the military guy in this movie. Uh, why do we keep using this military stereotype of, uh, no, you science nerd, you're fucking dumb, we have to shoot missiles at him. I don't care what science you have to back up your point, that you could kill him without having to use any kind of deadly force. Fuck that, we're shooting missiles. Only two of those missiles are going to hit him, while the other seven go into the mountain, but still. That's the mountain where everyone went to the hide, too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> fuck him, right? They killed everyone. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't fucking get it. And he's like, so sure, oh, the missiles fucking did it. And it's like, did you not see the other helicopter that was up there dropping white powder on him? Did y'all not see that at all? Y'all have the greatest binoculars possible. <laughs> and y'all don't fucking see that. It's not on your television screen. I don't understand this. I don't know, man. Mm. Fucking. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. It's, yeah. It's, did, it's something. Uh, did you guys notice how the um, early on in the film, in that early scene with the itch light ray, with the, with the groom and bride, did you notice that the car changes? When no, they... I didn't, but I'd believe it. I'm pretty sure the light ray did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean they um 
According to the information I could find, um, when they first pull up and get out of the car uh, scratching themselves, they're in a 57 Buick. But then when after they leave, as they're pulling away, they're in a 58 Plymouth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, shit. Yeah, this movie has a few continuity errors. I mean, they end up doing the same thing with the scientist car uh, where the little kid gets into. That car changes from when it arrives to when it leaves. And then one other glaring one that I saw right away was when, um, do you remember the part where the Jeep gets cut in half? Yeah, the wheels at the bottom. Exactly. You can see the wheel, the support wheel underneath it. I just, ah, so laughable. Yeah, that one was pretty bad. You, Um... you, You know, one thing that I never, like, understand... Like when they're like all like the you know the head like guys that are involved in this are in like their briefing room. Oh, the United Nations are going to send us over some great scientists to help us. What's going on? Where the fuck did the scientists ever come? They never. The came. scientists showed up later, and they were like, "We're here." Like, <laughs> oh no, it's cool. We just fucking threw cocaine at them. <laughs> Solved <laughs> all of our problems. I think in the seventies, this is the way to go, guys. That's pretty much what fucking happened. And then they brought cocaine back to America and we got disco. Thanks, Youngery. Youngery needs a sponsor. He needs like King Kong or somebody. Mm -hmm. No, because fucking Kong's drunk off that fucking berry juice and pretending to be Elvis. Shout out to Hero Hero Ghost Show. (laughs) You like that? I just fucking shoved that right in there, didn't I? Uh, No, but for real, uh, Hero Hero Ghost Show is a great inspiration to the show. Uh, they have started a coverage of the Godzilla movies. And if you want to give any of them a try, uh, the Godzilla versus King Kong episode is one of the Amazing. greatest and funniest things I've ever heard. Uh, Bo Ranzel and uh, Court Psyops, they kill that. You have to go hear that. Uh, Legion Podcast Network. Fantastic stuff. Check that out. Just to um, know what Elvis Kong is, you know. Oh, my God. Elvis <laughs> Kong is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I, like I was dying with Elvis Kong. Oh my like every God. Okay. time I watched that, yeah, let's sidetrack. <laughs> Look, <laughs> can we do a podcast covering their podcast? <laughs> let's do like it. a Talking Dead show. Yeah, like we'll just Talking like here, we'll, here. we'll just talk about our favorite parts of the episode as a bonus episode. Uh, and we have um, like the guest of the episode as a guest and talking about their experience. <laughs> let's bring someone else who odd who who like like we'll just have like a five minute clip of Bo like exp- like reviewing his own episode to us as we review his episode on our episode about his episode. <laughs> Inception. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does anyone have anything else they want to say about Yangri Monster from the Deep? Uh, one last thing I wanted to point out, which I'm sure you guys saw and pretty much anybody who watches the film is going to notice, but it really bothered me. We already brought up the uh, the, plight, the the flame nozzle that's clearly visible when he's when he shoots fire out of his mouth. Uh-huh. What happens? What happens to his tongue? Do you notice his tongue disappears when he spits fire? There's no tongue in his mouth. And he has wait. A does the tongue turn mouth. into the pipe? No, no. The does pipe his is tongue... like at the base of his throat. So no, it's but not maybe he's sticking out. Maybe his tongue opens up into a pipe, and we're not seeing a pipe. We're just fucking idiots. That's his tongue, and they had great special effects, and we're we're just dumb. I'm going to say we're not idiots. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I may or may not be wrong on this one, guys. I don't know. Um, uh, Derek, you got any last words on Yongri? You know, like, I 
actually enjoy this one. I know, like, Jerry, uh, Mr. Venom had his ups and downs with this one, but uh, it's like a lower tier kaiju movie in a way. But you can still, if you want, if you're into like the kaiju subgenre, I say still check it out. You know, like, uh, it's a fun one. You know, it has some goofiness to it that you can enjoy out of it. You know, like the you and the story, it has its bumps and turns. But overall, I had fun with it still, you know? Word. Don, what's your last words? Yeah, it's not the the top of the tier or even in the middle. It's kind of in the bottom. Um, You know, remarkably, you could still do worse, but it's not bad. It's just something where every time you want to watch it, trying to think oh yeah i remember i really like this one part you get inundated with like four or five other parts where you realize oh man why did i why did i have to rewatch this (laughs) yeah and i'll say this uh my last words on it uh it's better than godzilla's revenge (laughs) that's that 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 is true yeah (laughs) there you go um there's talent that actually went into this one yeah, so you know what, guys? Let's just go ahead and get into our Ultraman segment. Uh, we are rolling and rocking this episode, and uh, I, I want to keep the steam up. So Ultraman Episode 3, Sally Forth Science Patrol, because Sally Forth is things we say. Uh, this one came out 731-1966. It has better special effects than Yongri, and it came out a year before for television. So there's that. Uh, in this episode... We have Hoshino and Fuji as they go to check out uh, frightening sounds that are coming from an old well. No, this is not a Ringu prequel. I promise you. Uh, yeah, you actually want something to actually want what comes out of this well. Yeah. Uh, well, Hoshino decides that he's going to climb into the well, even though everyone tells him not to, because he doesn't have to listen to you because his hat and short shorts are so fucking gay that I blew a dick while watching him climb in there. Uh, and he goes down there and he finds a giant eye and that he just does not bring up for a while for some odd reason. Um, Fuji climbs down there with him and then there's an earthquake and then there's uh, this great miniature work and this is where we're going to take our first thing to talk about. Oh my god, the miniature work for the vegetation and the forest and the side of the mountain looks fucking awesome. Hell yeah, um, man. Oh yeah. Uh, if there's one thing Edgy Subaraya can just knock out, even if he didn't do it himself, if he's just, his name is there, he can do a forest or a side of a mountain, just this natural, so fucking well. It looks wonderful. Um, Land, landscape work, he really, really was just in his element with that stuff. Yes. What does not look good is when the science patrol has zip-off pants. Um, <laughs> why? Uh, that, just looks <laughs> that just looks so stupid. So, why not just roll into the center with your uniform on already? Why do we even need to see them take off their clothes? I don't know. Exactly. It's about to become sexy time. <laughs> Apparently, in the Science Patrol Center, they, they've got a little sex going on. Uh, but Fuji and Hoshino, back to them, they get out through the sea. Because I don't know. Because. Uh, and the Science Patrol uh, have arrived on the scene, and they get told that the monster disappeared. 
So Hayata heads to the transition station and Captain goes some other fucking place that no one gives a shit about. Um, so Hayata and Hirashi, uh, they go to the transmission station and bam, the monster shows up. Hirashi rolls up on that motherfucker and starts firing at the monster like he does not play. He and a single hand cannon are going to shoot a monster in the face. Uh, unfortunately, the monster sh- fires back. How he does mm-hmm. not die from that, I don't fucking know because what I understand later on in the episode is that the monster basically shot out a fucking lightning bolt. And that didn't harm Hiroshi like at all. He he just laid on the ground for a minute and then he was fucking cool. So there's that. Um Hoshino finally tells him about the monster and that he read it in the book. Um and it's called Naranga. Naranga? Naranga. Naranga. Yeah, I got that one right. Don officially said I got it right. Um, So Hoshina jacks the gun, and then he goes to fight the monster. So they all head to the next power plant, and the army comes out in full force. And I got to say, the army looks awesome. Um, Except for the shot of, like, two of them standing in front of the military trucks, which looked really bad. Uh, Yongari bad, so to speak. Actually, the (laughs) shots in Yongari look worse when they're doing it, but still. Uh, but I gotta say, I, the tanks look good, and the uh, missiles look good, and the laser cannons look fucking awesome. Um, the monster shows up. We have rockets and lasers shooting. Does anyone else just really love when they shoot rockets at big monsters, and it just looks like fucking fireworks? Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's fucking dope, man. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, but the monster don't play that shit, and he threw a damn ship at them. He's like, fuck yous. <laughs> Where he got this ship from, I don't know, because I did not realize that they were still near water. But, uh, yeah, he threw a damn ship. Now, I feel like if Derek was a kaiju, that would be his number one move. Definitely. You piss off Derek, he's throwing a ship at you. Definitely. <laughs> don't know why, but the, I, when I saw that, I was like, Derek would do that shit. I got a f- ship in my pocket right now as you speak. <laughs> Just in case. Is it you? Well, you know what? It's probably because you probably heard some Godzilla roar. Did anyone else feel like this monster's roar sounded quite like Godzilla? That's yeah, Baragon. A bit. Yep. It's Baragon. Is it Baragon? It's Baragon. Yeah. Oh shit! I I tried to look up information to figure out where the monsters roar, but I couldn't find anything. Yeah, it's Baragon. Nice. Um. So Hoshina rolls up on this dude and shoots the monster in the face. Uh. And his eye catches on fire and it looks awesome. And then we get some great Fulci eye gore on the costume. <laughs> Always good. I'm sure at that point, Don had a ship in his pocket also. <laughs> um, so Hoshino tells him only Ultraman can save them and Ultraman shows up, which means it's Ultraman time, which means Don, are you ready to break down this fight scene? All right, let's get to it. Naranga begs for a fight, prodding Ultraman closer. Ultraman stands tall as Naranga fires an ineffectual energy bolt that Ultraman no-sells and then signals he's ready to fight as well. Naranga charges at Ultraman, but gets sideswiped into a section of power grids at the plant, sparking off around it. A tail swipe gets Ultraman off balance and allows Naranga to charge, but Ultraman again sidesteps, causing Naranga to collapse on the hill nearby. Ultraman pounces on its back and rolls around with Naranga on top as they roll back into the flaming power plant. 
With the color timer going off, Ultraman kicks Naranga off of him and begins grappling with Naranga, getting it into a headlock. Mm-hmm. He twirls around and throws it to the side and prepares for another charge, getting Naranga by the face and kneeing off its nasal horn, sending Naranga to the ground in pain and confusion. With the creature struggling, Ultraman muscles Naranga over his shoulders and then heaves it to the ground, where it struggles for a few seconds before collapsing. A specium ray blast turns Naranga into monster confetti as Ultraman flies off into the sun. And, of course, everyone leaves as they fly into the sunset. So, one, uh, he ripped off the damn thing's horn. That yeah, is brutal. He ruthless. Yeah, looking awesome. <laughs> Um, also, uh, when they're rolling around, uh, sexually on the ground with each other, uh, I gotta say, Ultraman's starting to, uh, lose some paint on his costume in the chin area. <laughs> yeah. he, he, that suit's starting to chip a little bit. They need to repaint. Um. Yeah, well, supposedly this was the, the last of the episodes to feature the first face for Ultraman. So maybe that was the reasoning why, because this is actually supposed to have been, I think, episode six or seven in terms of shot order, not broadcast order. So this was right around the time that they repaired the face. So maybe that would have had something to do with it. Oh, OK. Because I, I think this is the this was around the time where they repaired the face, because I've heard that they in season one, there's actually three different faces for Ultraman. And I, I know this is the third broadcast, but I don't think it, I think it was like sixth or seventh that they shot. Interesting. So, yeah. So apparently as time goes on, we'll see Ultraman's face will change somewhat slightly. Mm. So maybe that uh, chipping painting that you noticed will, was the cause of it. Maybe that was why they decided to repair it. Could be. So let's talk about the monster. Uh, Naranga, who uh, likes to suck up energy, can shoot energy blast from his fucking dope ass nose, and uh, can do this awesome, like his antler swing from the side of his head to the front to do an energy blast. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, The top of him is this really bright, ugly neon sewage green. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. Was that like foliage or was that actually a skin color? I don't I was thinking maybe it was moss or something. Okay, yeah. Like a yeah, bright was, green moss. He, he lived underground. Life. He yeah. was underground, yeah. That could have just been like moss or something. Mm. I'd say overall it's it's it shines in the head and its body is just an okay design. Yeah, yeah the, the the whole like like it's like a quadruple creature and everybody could stand also, which I do always like those type of kaiju because you don't really see them in a lot of like, kaiju films per se. There's a few of them, but not as many as we want. Uh, you know, like the whole facial expressions, it kind of has like that dog sneer to him, mm-hmm. which I do like. A yeah, bulldog mouth. <laughs> it has a very interesting face. Um, it has some really big, bright red lips. It does. Yeah. Um, so all in all, I think this was a, a, a an okay episode. Um, it yeah, kind of, oh. it's probably mediocre in the long run of things, but since we're only, you know, three episodes in, I was just like, okay, this was a fun episode. It, it happened. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Derek, much. What, did, what did you think of the episode in, you know, in total? You know, I, I like the whole setup of it, like you know, them journeying to the well and learning like uh, about the creature and stuff, and then all shit breaks loose. Like I like like the little miniature stuff that we talked about earlier, like uh, the mountainside. I love all the miniature stuff. It was very beautiful and shot, and has some good action scenes. I love the fucking how the monster uh, threw that shit, man. <laughs> I like how he retaliated. You know, fucking great shit. <laughs> yeah mr venom what did you think of the episode um a mildly enjoyable episode i mean i i would probably say it's the weakest of the three so far um i did like that he was able to kind of go invisible whether it was invisible or just kind of phase shifting because it seemed like whenever he went invisible the rockets they were shooting at him would go like through him so i wasn't sure if that was legit just invisibility or if he was phasing out but either way i thought that was kind of a cool little dynamic to add to him just to add another little you know factor that ultraman has to deal with um but yeah ultimately still probably the weakest of the three i found myself kind of losing focus um before any of the fighting started before any of the uh, destruction and definitely you know not during the final battle because i was totally engaged in this battle um this was by far the most brutal that i've seen ultraman be so i i definitely appreciated that and yeah when he when he ripped that horn off of him that 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 totally was a jaw-dropping moment because uh it just horns are not things that can easily be ripped off of creatures so yeah that that definitely blew me away um yeah <laughs> I, I i did enjoy the creature design and um you know like i said it was a mildly enjoyable episode it definitely uh you know wouldn't turn me off to the series by any stretch so yeah it was fun gotcha all right don how did you feel well, I'm going to borrow a uh, phrase, beloved phrase from one of my podcasting friends, Mr. Philip Perron of Dark Discussions. This is the episode. This is the episode. I fucking love this episode. This is one of my all-time favorites. I would probably venture this is to say it may be one of my top ten favorite tokusatsu series that I've seen all time. I love everything about this episode. The fact that we get the man himself, Mr. Nakajima, in on the action is one of the big reasons. That's him in in the Naranga costume. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell because he gets a lot of beloved screen time and just that rampage is glorious. (laughs) Just seeing him just knock into those towers with abandon and just seeing him stand around in all those explosions and crumbling infrastructure, it is amazing. And the fact that it's just this simple, fast-paced story, it's like, the story is basically simple. Monster appears, Science Patrol goes out to stop it, ineffectual, so they decide to dig into it, learn a weakness, and attack it again the second time, but Ultraman comes in to finish the job. That's basically what the episode is, but it's fast-paced, there's lots of action, and like I said, you get just spellbinding special effects, the fact that the opening destruction is done without seeing the monster on screen. You see the buildings crumble in on themselves. You see the scenery just get depressed from the foot, the footprints. And it's all done as a children's TV show. I, this is one of my all time favorite episodes. I feel you. Uh, any episode where a ship gets thrown is 100% I'm behind. Um, I love when kaijus get involved with ship. It's from that opening of War of the Gargantuas. 
Uh, yeah. We get that beautiful ship where that's one of those things that, like, one of the things I've noticed, War of the Gargantuas to me is the Ultraman series. Great fucking landscape work, ships getting thrown, monsters being more physical, more wrestling with each other. Uh, like Ultraman, if you like War of the Gargantuas, you need to be watching Ultraman. Um, right. This episode was a quick, fun little uh, romp. I do wish they would have kind of gotten more into what the monster is and where it came from and all that, but they kind of glanced over it and, and fuck it, that's enough. Yeah, it, it's good enough. I mean, you get just two lines about you know the fact that it was defeated years ago, centuries ago, and they put a well over it. Yeah, like, and that's basically all you get. So I mean, you know, it's better than no- better than nothing, but yeah, I, th- you could still probably expand a little more. Yeah, like you so, just see him like the monster chilling with Sadako in the well playing cards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a <laughs> the monster where it was his only friend. <laughs> that's why Sadako's going around. She wants to find her pet dog back. <laughs> oh my god! All right, well, guys. Uh, we ran through this episode quickly, much shorter episode this time, but damn, was it a fun one. Uh, so we're going to get out of here. Uh, so before we get out of here, we're going to do our normal thing of everyone kind of shouting out what they're doing. So, uh, we'll go ahead and start that with you, Don. What do you, what do you got to say to the people? Where can they check you out at? Well, I am on the Horror Mafia. We are right here on, um, Horrorphilia Network. We have a uh, page you can like and a uh, group to join, as well as a Patreon that you can support us on. And, uh, yeah, other than my blog, which I post every now and then, uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yep, he just dropped great reviews of the Bloodthirsty Trilogy, so go check those out. Yeah, I actually and, just ordered those, yeah. <laughs> so oh, dude, dude, it's so That set looks so fucking good. <laughs> oh, my God. If, if you like uh, what Toho has done with Godzilla and all that... And some of their horror movies like Matango, and you want to see how they would treat um, some horror movies Hammer. based off Hammer, you got to check out the Bloodthirsty trilogy. It does feature people that are in Godzilla movies. For yeah. instance, uh, the chick Ooh, from Terra Mecha Godzilla is in one of these movies. She's yeah. hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, you, yeah, you also get um, Mr. Ichinose as well. And mm-hmm. uh, more importantly, you get to see the guy from Interpol in uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, the uh, Interpol agent badass. He's in two of these movies. So, Yeah. So definitely uh, check out the Bloodthirsty Trilogy. But uh, Derek, uh, what, where are you from? You know, Cinema Attack Podcast. You know, we just wrapped up on our modern slasher show. Uh, not sure when we're recording our next episode because of uh, involvement of... Uh, one of my hosts is going to be on uh, vacation that weekend, so uh, we'll be back soon with some fresh content for you guys. But follow us on Facebook, as always, and on iTunes and Horophilia and all that good stuff. All right, Mr. Venom, tell us what you got. All right, the latest episode of Evil Episodes presents Just the Movies should be out right around the same day that this episode comes out. Uh, In the latest episode, we discuss two brand new uh, zombie slash infected horde movies. Uh, We talk about The Cured, and we also talk about the Netflix release Cargo. Um, Spoiler alert, they're both really good. Check them out. 
Um, you can also hear me on the Theme Warriors podcast. We uh, Just last week, we released our latest episode where we discussed four movies that all have the same theme, and that theme was reluctant cannibalism. So that was a really fun episode. And then, unfortunately, two of my other podcasts are still on hiatus. That would be the Horrorcast and Rad Radio, the All-80s podcast. So for the time being, you'll be able to hear me on the three that are active right now. And then, who knows, you might hear my voice on one or two new projects coming up in the next couple of months. So, yeah, that's where you can hear me for now. Awesome. Nice. And uh, I'm Jerry from Kill the Cast. Um the last episode we just dropped was an anime double feature featuring Vampire Hunter D and Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. If you listen to this show, there's a good chance you probably already dig anime. So you probably already know about these movies. But if you don't dig anime, uh, but you want to see what horror is represented in anime, Vampire Hunter D and Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust are a fantastic way to start. Uh, trust me when I say um, Vampire Hunter D is like a classic uh hammer horror movie and then bloodlust to me is the pinnacle of of anime looking its absolute best so i concur yeah yes see that bloodlust blu-ray by the way oh my god fantastic um also i did an a uh interview with mr watson from horror corridor on the horophilia network which is a fantastic uh, interview if you want to check that out, if you're a fan of him. Other than that, uh, Kill the Cast will be dropping some more episodes soon. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space will continue going. Next episode will, of course, be a Godzilla episode because we just did a non-Godzilla episode. It's Godzilla and non-Godzilla. So who knows what Godzilla flick we will be bringing to you next time. You can, of course, check out Kill the Cast on Facebook. We have a Facebook group that you can join. Of course, you're probably already in that group. If you're not, start Googling and kill the cast. What are you waiting for? What are you doing with your life? You're probably watching Yongri. You're fucking up. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for joining us for this wonderful episode. We will see you next time. Um, and, and remember, There was kids, something else I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. What are, you, what are you saying? Don't do itching powder. Don't do itching powder. <laughs> Or you will not get the correct visions from Monsterland. And it, and if you do, I'm gonna throw a ship at you. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we are out of here. <laughs>